Keep your head up, you ain't gon' leave this It's your boy Squint, talking that shit Go and tell him what it is Just a man and his podcast Thank you all for tuning in One by one, it's a tag match Either way for me, cause I'ma make the blood bad TST, make you see stars when I throw hands Keep on spitting bars after bars, like the cage, man I'ma get the hardy boys off the ropes, make it rain, man You ain't seen a goddamn thing, you get it? You keep on talking shit and the referee count your digits That's that one, two, three When he finally get up, he can't say his fucking ABCs, look Pick your head up, you ain't gon' leave this It's your boy Squint talking that shit Go and tell him what it is Just a man and his podcast Thank you all for tuning in One by one, it's a tag match Either way for me, cause I'ma make a bloodbath TST, make you see stars when I throw hands Keep on spitting bars after bars Like the cage, man What's up, you guys? It's your boy Squints here with another episode of A Man and His Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. What's going on, everybody? I am Mason D. Madden. That's my new name on the independent scene, uh, formerly known as Mace or Masse from WWE. How's it going? Today's your first day of uh, free agency, officially, right? Freedom, yeah. It's my first day. <laughs> so how were you and uh, Mansoor able to show up at DPW? Um, I can't reveal all of our secrets, uh, but, uh, MXM, we don't really follow all the rules necessarily. So we were, uh, able to make that work. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, my first question is you used to play football. How was the transition from playing professional football going over into professional wrestling and how did that come about? Um, I've always been a wrestling fan, pro wrestling fan since I was a kid. Uh, I started watching wrestling after, uh, after playing Here Comes the Pain, the uh, video game for the PlayStation 2. Uh, so I was always interested and my plan as a kid was always to play football for as long as I could and then to move into uh, this realm that I'm in right now. So when I was in uh, Houston with the Texans, I actually became pretty close with Booker T and uh, his promotion of reality of wrestling down there, uh, which is still great and still running. But um, as soon as I was done playing football, I hit him up and I was like, hey, can you teach me how to wrestle? Because I have a tryout in a couple months. And uh, it, was, it was actually pretty quick. I was pretty lucky. And then 
my first introduction to you was a commentary role you had. How did that all come about? Did they just approach you and ask you, or did you approach them and ask them? I did not ask them. I did not see it coming. Um, Vic Joseph, who's uh, the NXT commentator right now, um, called me one day and he said, hey, uh, we need you at Raw. And this is at this point, I had been doing nothing. Uh, we need you at Raw. They're going to have you do commentary for a main event. And I was like, okay. Um, didn't know why, but I did it. Uh, it was kind of like a learning on the job kind of thing. And um, I think after that first show, he was like, hey, um, so the real reason why we're doing this is because Paul Heyman got, got a hold of some of your tapes because I had been uh, recording a couple of, I guess, um, demo reels, really from my friend, John Quasto, who's a comedian, great comedian, check out his special, it's on YouTube. And um, I had been, he, he had been there working on commentary and he didn't have anybody to do it with, so I did it with him. Paul Heyman got a hold of it, said he liked me, and I was on Raw two weeks later for the uh, season premiere. And uh, I was off Raw two months later. <laughs> After Brock Lesnar put me through a table. So so was there any plans with that, with you and Brock, or was that just that? I, I've heard uh, I've heard a lot of things. I heard at one point, um, because the clip did really well, people were like, oh, are, are we going to go in this direction? Um, the problem was, and it was kind of like a problem on being color commentary for Raw in general, was because I had not been... Um, like a featured in a wrestling role up until that point nobody knew I was a wrestler the general audience wasn't aware that I could wrestle or be a wrestler so um, I think the pitch was brought up at some point but from what I understand Vince was like uh, it would be confusing <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> moved on. so what was your first interaction with Vince like because I've heard he's a pretty intimidating person but he's not at the same time like I heard once you it, talk to him, it's not as intimidating. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, Vince is um, incredible at like if you, when you're when you're talking to him just one on one about something, he'll he'll make you feel like a million bucks. Um, my first interaction with him was uh, I had a production meeting, my first production meeting, and I'm sitting in the back row of this production office, and I'm just trying to stay out of the way, trying to keep my head down. I have my notebook. And he walks up behind me and he just forearms me in the back. And I'm like, was I in the, was I in the way or something? Like, did I do something wrong? And then he turns around after continuing to walk by and he just looks at me like the Grinch. And <laughs> um, yeah, I really didn't know how to interact with that. Uh, <laughs> I, my big regret is that I didn't like double leg him and start like beating him up because I think he would have liked it. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's like, he's like a weird, uh, He's like a weird trickster goblin that lives under a bridge. <laughs> uh, I heard this story. I seen it on TikTok uh, from one of your streams. Was made sort of the uh, he came out for the rehearsal and then he told you to go change real quick. Yeah, and then... um, he he. I learned that day he doesn't like white pants. He thinks they look bad on TV. I was like, okay, that's why I was very dealing with Vince you know to bring more than one pair of pants because just in case he doesn't like white pants you, you just never know so how was it working with LA Knight and were you and Main Sword kind of concerned whenever uh you found out that he was going from Max to pretty back to LA Knight uh it was great Max was <laughs> call him Max Max was great 
Um, obviously, that was not what he was um, used to doing. So he was really, he really had to dive into a completely different role for him. Uh, but I guess as um, management kind of shifted, it started looking like they were going to go in that direction. And uh, obviously, we, me and Mansoor assumed we, we were finished. It was over for us. And uh, at the end, we were right. We just uh, managed to delay it with uh, hard work and effort. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, when all those releases started coming, were you and Mansoor, were you guys kind of expecting that phone call or not? You're always expecting the phone call. Um, if you're not one of the guys that are like made, then you're always wondering, it's like, okay, when is the next batch of releases? When's the next Black Friday or whatever? And, um, you know, when it when we found out there were calls going around, you're like, okay, well, we honest, we, we expected it, but also at the same time, from what we were told, um, and I'm not going to go into why we were taking off TV, but from what we were told, it was not our fault. So we thought that maybe because it was not our fault that we were taken off TV, that we would be safe and they'd be willing to work something out. And that didn't end up being the case. But, um, you know, I think we all end up where we're supposed to. So I'm not upset about it in the least. And then was it always a plan post-release for you and uh, Mansoor to be a tag team? Or did that just, from your guys' chemistry on TV, you guys just decided you wanted to take it to the independent scene? Yeah, honestly, um, we're just actually best friends. Um, they didn't know that when they put us together in the first place. I remember the first meeting we had when they uh, pitched the Maximum Male Models thing to us. Um, we we told Vince, we were like, hey, Vince, you know, um, we're, we're like actually best friends. We go on cruises and stuff together. Um, we're, we're, we hang out all the time. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. That's great. So um I, I don't know. I mean, the plan was to always just do whatever gets us booked. And I think uh, people naturally like our chemistry together. And uh, I think we have a very good dynamic. We both offer things that the other does not. So um, if uh, I, I've heard people say that uh, we might be one Cardona with our powers combined. So if we could be that together, then more power <laughs> to us. Has anyone ever told you you have a great Vince McMahon impression? I, I, I've heard that. I've heard that a lot of people have a great Vince McMahon impression. I think he, um, I think he seeps into you. <laughs> when <laughs> you, just you, talk, when to you talk to him. Yeah. If you talk to him enough, like everybody's got a great Vince, everybody's got a great Braun. Um, those are the two Braun Strowman. Um, everybody can do those. Let me hear your Braun Strowman. Um, okay. So uh, I don't know if you, you, if you keep up with the streams that we have, a, we have a very famous story about when Braun, um, uh, came in and blew us up from behind. It was the after school special. And I lost the lunchbox <laughs> that he was supposed to eat a sandwich from. And, uh, afterwards we get to the back and he was like, where was the damn sandwich mace? <laughs> I was like, I lost it, Braun. I didn't see you coming. I lost it in the crowd. And he was like, Oh, I just wanted to make sure you weren't going into business for yourself on that. <laughs> that is a really good Braun Strowman. Wow. <laughs> That's really good. Oh, my God. I we, thought all, you meant, we all have one. We all have one. When you said uh, Braun, I thought you meant Braun Breaker. And I was like, I never really heard anyone have a Braun Breaker impression. I don't have a Braun Breaker impression yet. Maybe uh, give me some time. I'll, I'll develop it develop it all right yeah 
And then this next question is from my friend uh, Kevin. He asked, what was your reaction with Maxine moving on to Otis and Gable? That was the second time we uh, realized, oh, we're done. It's finished. It's over. <laughs> um, I think we we hold the record for being genetted by managers. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, kind of in a similar vein. It's, it, was, it was different because obviously Maxine wasn't uh, an established act before uh, coming to us. But uh, as soon as we kind of saw that moving on and they just weren't explaining it and then we heard why we weren't going to be featured on tv as the models anymore um we it's kind of like oh well good for her and i mean she's doing great i'm really we're really proud of her we're like her uh, her two dads so um we take all the credit for her success and uh she can pay us whenever she makes her first million dollars <laughs> And then this is a little off topic, but it's a question I want to ask everyone. Are you familiar with the show Jersey Shore? I'm familiar, yeah. <laughs> so if you could choose any cast member to be your tag team partner for one match, who would it be? And don't it's say Snooki be, because she's trained. It's got to be Snooki. It's Snooki because she's had a match. She's had Let's a say, WrestleMania match. She's had one more WrestleMania match than I ever have. Damn. Let's say they, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Uh, let's say they are all properly trained. Okay, they're all properly trained. Um, they, there's not, so I, I'm familiar with the Jersey Shore of like uh, 10 years ago. I, yeah. I assume they're all the same people, right? Yeah, yeah. Pauly D's jacked. He's got a good build. Okay. I, I, he's got good charisma. He's a DJ, right? He is, yes. He knows how to he knows how to lead a crowd. I go with Polly D then, if not Snooky, Snooky WrestleMania uh, feature Snooky. I always forget to mention that part because I had a guest once and I'm like, well, she, she had a match at WrestleMania, and I was like, I get that, but that's that's the boring answer to the question. No, but it's the right answer. She's better than me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, I don't know if you've seen the comments on Twitter. Somebody asked you, uh, green shirt guy or Trinidad flag shirt guy or trinidad flag guy i guess they're assuming the guys from the crowd i saw that i wasn't sure what that meant um i guess uh for me i'll go with trinidad flag guy because my grandma is from the caribbean <laughs> have you had any interactions with the regulars like the fans that you see at every show um no not really uh, let's i I think I sat behind Frank the Clown when I was at uh, WrestleMania 32, Was if that was in Dallas. But that yeah. was as a fan. I was a fan. Um, not really. I've always, it's always been a mystery to me. I just like, they're like, uh, they're like Bigfoot. I always wonder is like, how do they do that? How, how does that happen? Well, the green shirt <laughs> guy, he gets the same seat every show and that's what really confuses me i'm like yeah, not a, only is a front row there. seat like it's always a front row seat it's all over the country sometimes international like, yeah i'm I seen like them at backlash i was like <laughs> what is that what cabal uh where do they work that not only do they have the money for this but they also are able to have the time to go <laughs> yeah they have unlimited pto yeah it's crazy to me let's find that out anybody watching if you can figure this out for me i'd be very grateful well somebody said this is just a 
huge fan theory. I don't believe it, but somebody said that like his grandma knows someone in the office, like at Stanford, and that's how he gets the tickets because Granny knows someone and just he gets that. But that explains one of them. There's like yeah. ten of them. <laughs> Brock Lesnar guy. I yeah, he doesn't wash his shirt or he doesn't change his shirt. That's what confuses me. I don't know if he has the same shirt. Surely like, he washes it. Well, I don't know if he has multiples of that one or if it's he's the have same one. He's, it's, it's what he's known for. He's got to have multiples. And then who else is there? There is. Do you remember uh, Rick, the sign guy? Yep, Was I remember sign guy. The redhead. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, and, no. I, and, and when you don't see them, you're always like, oh, I hope nothing happened to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're almost looking for them when you're watching the shows rather than yeah. watching for the wrestlers. I hope sign guy's okay. No, uh, there's there's all sorts of them. I mean, it's like that at Independence, too. Like, there's a guy here that he... <laughs> I I know he listens, and I don't know his name, but we call him Eddie Kingston guy because he looks just he like, looks Eddie, like King Eddie Kingston. <laughs> he looks just like Eddie Kingston, and he talks just like Eddie Kingston, but he doesn't mean to. And everyone kind of just calls him the Eddie Kingston of St. Louis. But yeah. It's, but yeah. How does he talk like Eddie Kingston if he's from St. Louis? It's crazy. I St. Louis doesn't have their own accent. We all just talk differently. I've never somebody said I had a St. Louis accent, and I was like, I don't believe that because I don't believe I we have an you, accent. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what a St. Louis accent was if I if you told me. Somebody said it's like a mix of, like somebody said it kind of sounds like a mix of like. St. or uh, Louisiana and like New York mixed, and I'm like, what? Like, I just it's, it's Louisiana is so smack dab in the middle of the country. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just a mix of everything, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, my next question is if there's anybody on the independence that you'd like to face in a singles match, who would it be? A singles match? Oh, I didn't even, I, I haven't thought of singles matches. There's so many, there's so many people, you know, I could the. My options have completely expanded. I said in another interview that um, the the biggest thing for me going on the independence is that like uh, in WWE, as ironically as it seems, uh, you don't, not everybody gets the opportunity to even go out and wrestle in like a way that anybody would even see. Um, I've wrestled a bajillion house shows, um, but in terms of like TV matches, you're lucky if you get a one segment match that goes for five minutes, that would be like a, a really good chunky match. <laughs> um, and if, if you actually, if you go and watch and you look out for it, it's very, it's a very small group of people that actually get, you know, like your longer two segment, three segment style matches where you can tell a story and kind of do anything. So my whole thing on the independence is that I just am excited to be able to wrestle so it's not even one person in particular, but I just want to wrestle everybody, and I actually just want to do it. And so, so did you wrestle on Independence before you came to WWE? Very briefly, um, when I was training with Booker T, I wrestled for Reality of Wrestling for about a year, um, okay. leading up to um, my tryout, and then waiting for my tryout to get back to me, and then waiting for me to actually go to Orlando and start at the performance center. So I okay. have uh probably I probably had 10 
indie matches before I got to WWE. I'm real excited for you to get to experience all the uh, crazy different venues on the independent scene. I'm excited because I used to go like as a, like I said I'm I'm I was a fan before I was a, a worker so um, I've been to a lot of indie shows I've seen all kinds of different places and I'm just excited to you know um, I I guess the closest thing for me to perform in that would be like an indie show would be some of the um, NXT um, house shows like. Uh, the uh, interstate loops that we do. Yeah. Um, they were kind of more at the, like the indie venue size places and then ballrooms and then uh, bars and stuff like that. But the, the atmosphere was always really cool to me. So I'm excited to um, experience it. Is there one specific independent venue that you uh, can't wait to wrestle at? One specifically? No, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I just want to, I want to go everywhere. I want to, I yeah. want to, I, re I really, so um, as soon as I got released, uh, me and Mansoor were talking, we were like, oh, I really want to go to like Mexico or Japan too. Like I, I like now that uh, we can, we did a lot of European, uh, European tours with WWE, but um, we never made it to Mexico and we never made it to Asia. So I kind of want to start marking off some continents. And then I seen the list you posted on uh, Twitter for who you want to wrestle. <laughs> How long ago did you write that list? Uh, this morning when I had the idea for the tweet, I was like, oh, this is going to be a banger. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up. I woke up this morning and then I seen your tweet. And then followed by that, I seen Ali's video. And I was like, oh, today's, uh, today's, today's freedom day. day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, today's the day. Oh, Ali's, Ali's video is freaking incredible. It's awesome. It's it. So here's the thing about Ali, and I'm not going to tell any of his stories, but Ali has wanted, like, clearly, as you can see from that video, he's wanted this for a very long time, and he's he's doing it. So you know he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy to watch in the next year. I I've seen the names that he didn't name, but the people they showed in that video, showed, yeah, and all of those matchups. I mean, he already marked off at least one of them with Speedball. And then he, I guess, like twelve matches announced already. My whole Twitter feed is Ali announced for this show, this show, that show. I'm like he is booked. Well, because he yeah. was he was smart and he was really quiet about it uh, this entire time. Um, but yeah, Ali's great. Um, we go way back to uh, Retribution days, so I'm very happy for him. He's gonna be great for whoever he lands with. That was gonna be my next question. How was it being in Retribution? It was uh, not ideal, but it was the best chance I ever got. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of um, the story of my career is taking whatever crumbs I can get and trying to make the most out of them. And with Retribution, I don't even know that I was supposed to be in Retribution. I got uh, lucky that everybody on Twitter made fun of uh, the fact that the little guys that were in the first retribution segment that were like cutting up the, the yeah. and all that were little. So Vince said that he wanted some bigger guys. So he, they grabbed some, uh, some guys who were working in the performance center at the time. And I was one of them. And um, in the back of my head, I was like, man, if I can keep on doing this, then maybe I can slip through and then just get called up. 
And I was right. It worked. <laughs> so do you have any uh, any stories with any of the Retribution members? Like any fun stories? Um, in, well, okay. So here's a good one. Um, and I said I wouldn't tell Ali's stories, but this is me watching Ali as a story. Uh, we, there was never, I don't think they had a definitive plan for what they wanted Retribution to be at any point. But um, when they were trying to decide, they, they decided that they wanted a leader and they were trying to decide who it was going to be. And we heard earlier in the day, me and uh, T-Bar, Dijak, um, we heard that it was going to be Ali. And uh, we were in the locker room and we saw a producer walk up to him. And it was like, that was the moment where he, we were going to see him hear that he was going to be the leader of Retribution. And Dijak looks at me and he says, all right, uh, depending on his reaction is going to depend on how this entire thing is going to go. Uh, yeah, because it was like, oh, because at that point, like it was kind of kind of feeling a little damaged goods. It wasn't um, obviously not ideal for anybody. So for him to get handed the the sandwich that was retribution. Um, uh, who would blame him for you know being dejected but he heard and uh, we saw him look over at us and he nodded he walked over to us and he was like all right what are we gonna do and that was kind of like the, that was the attitude it was always you know us trying to carry this albatross up a hill um kind of thing and uh that was always the vibe in the environment with all of us with uh mia with shane haste um we kind of we we always felt that we kind of got the raw end of the stick with it, but we were all kind of committed to making it work. So, I was gonna say you guys all. I mean, the saying is making chicken salad out of chicken shit or whatever. You guys, especially you as uh, maximum male models, also like you just made the best out of everything, and I I admire that. Thank you. Um, I always say that. Not everybody gets the opportunity to be cool guy that wins. Most people don't get that opportunity. So um, when you're given something that's not cool guy that wins, if you don't put yourself into it and you don't have fun with it, uh, then the audience can tell and then it really doesn't work with them. So the only chance you have is to make the audience feel your enjoyment that you're having with it. With Maximum Male Models, uh, especially, we had a lot of fun with that. And I think people started realizing that. And that's when we kind of turned a corner where everybody hated it immediately. But like over the course of a year, we started winning people over and we were, you know, we were kind of poised to do something really cool with it. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't end up happening. And is there anybody that you wish you could have wrestled uh, in WWE? Uh, I had a very brief interaction with Brandy Orton um, in like a battle royal or maybe like a big six man or something. I forgot. It wasn't, it wasn't much. I just remember because uh, me and Dijak were just like, oh, we better not mess up this spot with Randy. Um, Randy's the goat. He's amazing. He's incredible. Um, just to work with him would have been amazing in, in like a, in like a bigger capacity. Um, yeah, especially at the time, I think him and Riddle were together, and me and Dijak were together. It was like, oh, that would have been a really cool match. But um, you know, never say never; it could happen some other time. Um, Most definitely. But I, I mean, I was fortunate. I've, I've worked John Cena. I've, I've worked a lot of great guys. So it's 
um, I, I enjoyed my time. <laughs> I was going to say, you're very grateful right now. You're not doing the typical hopping on a podcast and just tearing into them, being like, oh, I can't stand my time there, all of that. And that's no, also there's, something I There's admire. no use being bitter about it. Um, you know, I, I have my house. My kids are happy and fed for the past several years. So, um, you know, it's not a – and it's not a – I don't think I burned any bridges. So, you know, there's always the opportunity to go back. So there's no, there's no use in being bitter podcast guy. And then the final question that I ask every guest is if there was one piece of advice you could give anybody, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be related to wrestling. It could just be any advice. Kind of just like what I said, I don't even think it's just applies to wrestling. If you could find something you like about anything you do, uh, I think that reflects and everybody sees it, even if you're not going around saying it, uh, if you have enjoyment with, if you can find that little bit that you enjoy about anything, uh, people see it and people, uh, reflect that vibe back at you. And I think it just makes everything better. Most definitely. And then if you want to let the people know where they can find you on social media, upcoming shows, uh, merch, all of that. Um, we're all over the world. Um, immediately we're pretty booked for the first three months. So you're going to, you can see us, uh, all over the place. Um, I'm not going to say anyone in particular, cause I don't want to forget anybody, but if you want to keep track, uh, I'm great black otaku on everything. Um, specifically, if you want to watch us on Twitch, we stream two to three times a week. Uh, everybody loves it. It's going to be an award-winning Twitch stream. Every time we go on, check it out. And, uh, I'm on cameo, uh, and buy my t-shirts at fouryearwear.com slash mace madden or mxm awesome and then anything else you want to say before we hop off no thanks for having me and good talk absolutely that's gonna do it for this episode guys make sure to follow me on twitter at your boy squints or at a man in his podcast uh leave a thumbs up or a thumb down a one star five stars i don't give a shit peace